Joe Hunt has spent 16 years in the restaurant industry in Georgia. He holds degrees from Georgia Southern University in the Stetson School of Business and Economics at Mercer University. He wants to bring a more sensible, logical, and practical brand of representation to Washington, D.C. Joe Hunt lives in Watkinsville, Georgia, with his wife and two children. Joe Hunt, thank you for taking the time to talk with our radio audience here on WRGC 88.3 FM. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, we'll start off, of course, with uh, probably the most important question, and that is, why are you running for this office? Uh, twofold, really. The The first reason is uh, in 2016, the election uh, cycle, especially on the federal level and especially at the presidential level, was particularly divisive and nasty election, and it, uh, it brought to surface, really, I guess, uh, political divisions that exist within the country, but I, I don't find those same political divisions with my neighbors and friends who live all through the 10th Congressional District of Georgia. Uh, I find the political divisions and the polarization of politics to be um, really where the the essential differences are. Most of my friends and neighbors are uh, very reasonable people who are slightly left of center or slightly right of center, but mostly in the uh, same ideological mindset. And that political election uh, brought to service just how broken uh, politics is. And I feel like more people who are representative of the district and the uh, my friends and neighbors and friends and neighbors of the folks listening ought to be the folks who are representing the district. So uh, the first reason is it's, it's about the polarization of American politics more than it is the division of the United States. And second of all, um, my opponent was uh, unopposed, and that's not his fault. That's my fault for not getting involved sooner, but I find uh, current representation to be part of the polarization of American politics and being on the extreme far right, and I'm looking for more sensible representation. And if nobody else was going to do it, then it's my responsibility to get in the race and try to make a change. And I'd like to ask you to expand upon uh, that second part of your most recent answer and just ask you, um, can you critique the sitting congressman's tenure in a way that helps us understand uh, why you challenge him for the Republican nomination? It, it has mostly to do with the rhetoric uh, that that he has uh, bought into and or tries to popularize that uh, social issues are a single black or white answer, and they're not. It's a fool's errand to believe that social issues are black and white. The uh, life exists in the gray. That's where we live every single day, and I think that his hardline stances on social issues are – uh, part of what makes politics in America divisive and separates uh, you must choose A or B when, when the A and B are not always the answer to the problem or the question or uh, the issue. And also um, the, the idea that, that these social issues are what got him elected, I resist that idea because no social issue ever fixed a government. Um, only economic issues are the solutions to government, and I've not seen any 
ideas that generate economic outcomes for the positive for the 10th Congressional District. And I want to return to uh, something you talked about a little in your first response and something you talked about again uh, just in that last um, segment. How do you feel you can help begin the healing of that divisive nature of American politics in really American society right now? Well, it's about being reasonable, and it takes more than, than one congressional election in one district in Georgia. It takes uh, a bunch of folks who feel the same way to start to get some momentum toward this, but it has to start somewhere. And it's my responsibility to be a part of whatever change I want to see. It's one thing to complain about things and say what's wrong with it, but if you don't have a, a solution or participate in the solution, then all you've got are empty words. Um, and I think that it starts with economic empowerment and looking at ways to help uh, everyday citizens in each individual district. And uh, part of my plan for trying to execute on that is to make available certification, training, education, experiential learning in the form of vocational education, training, certification, and so forth uh, for everyday American citizens. There are labor shortages all over the country in construction, uh, electricians, plumbers, and especially truck drivers right now, and medical professionals. And we have awesome vocational schools throughout this district that can be utilized to help provide uh, the training and certification necessary that gives economic empowerment to folks all across the district. And of course, uh, many of the curriculum questions are handled at a, a more local level uh, than the federal government. How do you hope to affect that change from Washington? That's right. Uh, so the state, uh, state governments control a lot of the education curriculum, but I think you've seen even with uh, the current um, state school superintendent that uh, we've, we've made a lot of progress specifically in the state of Georgia, in giving the, the local um, school systems more freedom and power over the choices of curriculum that they've got. And, it, and what we can do at the federal level is, is really a messaging strategy and providing funding. And uh, the messaging strategy is removing a stigma that's associated with a lot of the vocational programs. And I believe right there in your county, uh, Daniel, the school superintendent, uh, I think Norris Price is her name, mm -hmm. has uh, done a tremendous job at turning around schools and the schools in that particular district. She's, uh, so I think she's raised the the graduation rate over the last three years. I want to say it's from 68% to maybe 88% or 89%. Uh, and some of her curriculum choices involve a different type of vocational education than maybe we saw 20 years ago. And uh, those are some ways that we can get vocational education top of mind, remove the stigma, do some experiential learning, and show kids throughout uh, the state and hopefully the nation that there are opportunities that exist for you beyond the, uh, the notion that a four-year degree is required for success. All right. And going to move back to some of the other questions I had for you. Um, and start back with, how do you define character? It's a real simple definition uh, for me personally that I heard when, uh, when I was a young man. And uh, I thought of my father specifically 
when uh, when I heard this definition, but character is what you're doing when nobody's looking, how you behave and how you act when there's nobody around to hold you accountable. That That is the definition of character. And what will – or could you describe your philosophy for representing the roughly 740,000 people of Georgia's 10th congressional district? Yeah, there's a – there's no such thing as a perfect candidate. There never has been. There, there won't be 100% support for any candidate ever. Um, and that's the, the beauty of a representative democracy. But I think the philosophy is have the courage to listen and have dialogue and a conversation to understand where and why disagreements exist on um, policy matters, where and why disagreements exist on social matters and be willing to have the dialogue to learn to understand, and that takes courage to do. And uh, I think the philosophy is to be the best representative of the greatest good of outcome that policy can produce. What is your vision for Georgia's 10th district in the next 10 years, and how will you work to set that plan in motion during your tenure in Congress? It, it all begins with economic development and economic empowerment. We, we talked already just, uh, just a little bit about economic empowerment and making sure that opportunities exist beyond um, some of the, the four-year degree required curriculums. We, we talked about that. But also I'd like to see some of the economic development uh, land outside of Atlanta, Savannah, Col- uh, Columbus, Augusta, Macon, and uh, and the 10th Congressional District of Georgia fits perfectly within the, the triad of Macon, Atlanta, and Augusta. And I'd like to see us get some economic development, maybe um, some kind of uh, some kind of uh, industrial parks that uh, that land in this district in each one of the counties that are representative of this district. And, of course, here in Baldwin County, uh, we actually have uh, two industrial parks. Are there any uh, additional um, resources or uh, strategies that you might use in addition to uh, just actually providing that space for um, a business to, to locate? Well, that's a, that, that comes down to a federal, state, and local partnership in trying to do what's best for the district. I mean, obviously, each, uh, each county, each municipality uh, within those counties has its own economic development strategy and generally a board that's associated with that. And then, of course, the state, uh, state level representation at the state level as well as the governor's office are uh, key components in attracting businesses um, and industries to to certain areas, but I think that uh, the federal level can certainly play a role in helping negotiate and making sure that the state and local agencies have all the resources they need to make sure that they are able to land the deal. Can you describe the health care system you'd like to see in America? Well, I think uh, the the most recent legislation that uh, that approved, uh, I guess it was the Affordable Care Act, uh, patient and patient care and affordable Affordable Care Act, uh, should have been more of a conversation starter. But I, I understand the politics behind trying to push 
the legislation through when the votes existed. And uh, the, the fallout from the way the legislation was passed really is what the failure was. The idea of giving everyone access to affordable health care is really undisputable. It's, it's undebatable. That needs to be the path that we go on. But the, the fact of the matter is the way the legislation was passed, it strapped small business owners with the bill for covering most of the, the cost of that health care. And it had such uh, negative uh, reactionary um, decision-making from small business owners that really the the bill itself had unintended consequences. So, and it rewrote the rules of an entire industry that's nearly or if not over a thousand years old in the insurance business. And uh, the risk and, uh, and, and uh, calculus that goes into mitigating the risk that is associated with paying insurance premiums, those rules were completely rewritten. And I think that a partnership with private uh, open market insurance carriers is the way to go in ensuring that we have an opportunity to provide health care for those with pre-existing conditions and those who are in, on the low income spectrum that would have a hard time affording what normal practical uh, insurance costs would be. But it has to start with allowing health insurance providers to exchange insurance plans and sell insurance plans across state lines. And to this day, I do not understand the reasoning for not allowing that, but you have a much more competitive market, especially with insurance carriers that are more risk tolerant if you allow uh, those policies to be sold across state lines. And how will you begin to work toward that health care system during your tenure in the U.S. House of Representatives? Well, that's an interstate commerce deal that belongs right in Congress and, and allowing those, uh, those insurance carriers to, to provide insurance plans across state lines is a key component. And that's where it all starts is breaking down the rules and regulations associated with that so that there can be a more competitive marketplace for uh, average citizens to get a more competitive rate. And that, that is the, the key component. To, uh, to granting act, uh, at least access to health care uh, to everyone. Now, we're coming to the close of our time um, to asking all the questions. I just have a few more. Oh, why should members of our radio audience vote for you? Well, I think it's an effort. Uh, it's about the effort to be the best representation. I think, I think representation goes both ways. Uh, if, if elected, my job, uh, based on what the taxpayers pay, is to take uh, their interests and be a representative of their interests. But it works the other way as well. And the person who is elected to that office is a representation of this district. And it's a representation of the people who live in this district on a national level. And um, I, I just feel like we should elect someone who is more representative, more like the friends and neighbors that I have, that you have, that the citizens of this district have, that think more moderately and believe that compromise is not a weakness, that it is a, a strength 
to be willing to listen and and move the ball forward, even if it's only 10 yards at a time. Now, I've just got one final question, and it's uh, about contact information. But before I do that, I'd like to ask you, is there anything that um, I did not ask you about? Is there anything that you wish we talked about or anything that we did talk about and you'd like to go back and place a greater emphasis on? Uh, no, I, you know what? I, I was I was able to cover the the uh, vocational education thing fairly uh, thoroughly in a radio interview. I think I think we're I think we're all set. Excellent. Now, how can our radio audience get in contact with your campaign to learn more, volunteer, or other? Visit our website huntforcongress.com. All right. Well, Joe Hunt, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to talk to our radio audience today. Hey, Daniel, I greatly appreciate the opportunity. Be well, my friend. I hope the same for you.